Hello and welcome to the Life Enchanted Podcast. We're on a mission to optimize our lives through faith, health, wisdom, and much more. Thank you for joining us on our journey. Here now is our host, Nick Carlisle. What is good, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Life Enchanted Podcast, where it is my duty to explore all things related to living an optimized and fulfilling life. I personally am on the never-ending journey to improve myself and figured why not share my findings and my conversations with as many people as possible. This episode is brought to you by MyLifeEnchanted.com, which is where you can find all things related to the Life Enchanted movement. You can sign up for my email newsletter on there, read my blog, check out some apparel I designed, learn how to support me through Patreon, and a bunch of other stuff as well. Also, please consider leaving a rating and possibly a review of the podcast on whatever platform you're using. Your feedback helps other people discover the show and join the movement. My guest for this episode is the amazing Mina Yusharawadi. Mina was one of my best friends in high school. She has an amazing life story. She's super inspiring, and I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this episode. She recently released her new book titled Life in Transfers, which I will link to in the show notes. But I'm stoked for you guys to hear this. So without further ado, Mina Yusharawadi. Um, so I thought we could start out with the miracle jar. You posted something about it yesterday, and I was super intrigued by it. So what is going on there? The miracle jar. Um, so in the beginning of the year, I was just flipping through Instagram, trying to think about how I wanted to approach this new year, set some resolutions. And I came across uh, a post that someone had shared about recording just like positive experiences weekly and placing them in a jar so that by the end of the year, you would have at least, let's say, 52 memories or positive experiences to reflect on in the year. Um, So for me, as I've been on this journey of just trying to develop an eye of faith and um, strengthen my relationship with God and being able to recognize his hand moving in my life, I decided just to take that project a little bit further Um, And instead of call this jar just a positivity jar, I wanted to really attach the word miracles to it because Mm -hmm. that's how I see, that's how I see life. I I truly see that when God's hand is moving in your life, it is a miracle, however big or small. And I wanted to take the opportunity to continue just to develop that eye of faith, to train my mind to, to see um, God's hand in all things. Mm-hmm. And so that's essentially how the miracle jar started and what w- went from, you know, once a week started just becoming more so a daily thing, really just trying to be able to capture everything that stands out to me and attribute that those blessings to God. Um, those are miracles to me. Mm-hmm. So you are daily putting something in that jar? Um, for the most part, I'm finding that I have daily if not um, more than one experience that I'm putting into that jar. And sometimes I'll go, I'll have like a couple of weeks where it's just a few things. But, but I honestly, I really could go through uh, each day of my life and, and count multiple things as miracles. Yeah. How, how have you seen that 
transform your mentality because just knowing you have that jar sitting in your room and knowing you have this goal of filling up that jar per day per week how have you seen that transfer transform your daily mentality towards just like your activities your interactions your relationships it you know, honestly, I, I think I've been working at this for a while, even before I started this Miracle Jar. But since I made um, an, an effort, I mean, since I now physically have something that I'm collecting mm-hmm. um, these little miracles in and seeing it grow, um, it, it's always in the back of my head. And I guess the way that I've seen it influence my my daily experiences is it's just helped me to be more present. It's helped me to um, present in the the conversations that I have with people, present even in being able to be a miracle for someone else. Take it, just really open my eyes to see how God is blessing my life and how I can be used as an instrument to bless the lives of others. Because miracles aren't always just these big grandiose things. They Mm -hmm. are, they are small and simple things. And I think it's, a miracle is also found in the trickle effect that we can have um, in, in being able to affect, be affected by somebody and then to be able to pass that on. Or, I mean, the, I guess little things just continue to build into much bigger things. Yeah, that's so good. I mean, essentially, it is a jar of gratitude. And the fact that you have this kind of in the back of your mind that you want to fill this up and it's your goal and you're looking for these opportunities to have gratitude that's huge they say that gratitude is is the root of happiness right and that gratitude can kind of negate comparison and unhappiness and anxiety and the fact that you are constantly looking for big and small ways to to have gratitude i'm sure is is super beneficial and i'm definitely going to start um maybe seeking out doing that that's that's awesome can you give us yeah go ahead Oh, no, I it is incredible. And it has been life changing for me. And I think, you know, people often say I've heard people say so often happiness is a choice. And for me, I dealt with depression, I, I still deal with anxiety, I still have days of depression, you know, mm-hmm. and so there are days where it really feels hard to, to believe that happiness could be a choice. When you're body and your mind and everything, like every force in the world seems to be like working against you to feel any ounce of like happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, I am now recognizing through this, um, through this exercise, because it really is a mental exercise, uh, mental, emotional, spiritual. It, it's an exercise in every way. I'm, I'm finding how ha- my happiness is a choice, uh, a choice in perspective, and it it I it gives me reasons to smile, even maybe when like if there's like a chemical balance inside of me, I like feel like I. I don't feel as apt to smile, um, to have a perspective and, and recognize even on days of sadness mm-hmm. where God's hand is moving in my life, I can still find a reason to smile through on those days. So it's pretty powerful. Yeah, that's good. Happiness is definitely a choice, but there's definitely chemical imbalances that people have that influence mood. And I'm sure you can, you know, attest to that and I can and, and numerous other people can as well. But with that said, when you have an attitude of gratitude or when you can find joy in the little things and 
think a thought that is pleasing or think a thought that releases some type of dopamine, you're, you're essentially changing your chemistry. So one thing that I've learned is not only gratitude, um, can release those those good feeling chemicals but also looking forward to something like okay I'm, I'm not feeling very good today but what do I got going on tomorrow what do I got going on next week oh I'm meeting with my buddy next week for for lunch or whatever and then that just yeah. subtle thoughts of things that you are looking forward to have the power to transform your body's chemistry through those chemical releases but um so I guess it is happiness is a choice but it's easier said than done and and we just yeah. gotta take that perspective and take different angles of figuring out how to release some some chemicals to to change that chemistry can for sure can you give us an example of something that you've written and put in your miracle jar recently yes yes i have an example i've been thinking about a lot because it's um it's given me a lot of perspective on how to find happiness even through like the downs in life. Mm -hmm. And so um, there was a day where I, I was having a good day. I thought I was actually having a much like one of the best days at one point, you know, I was, I was just on a roll. And then suddenly out of nowhere, I was hanging out with my friends. And then um, just something triggered me. Um, That word trigger is a funny word that I've learned a lot about over the years. But essentially something that was going on, like in the present time, in the moment that I was in reminded me, brought something up from the past. Um, and it just put me immediately in a spiral. My mind just went to a a dark place and I started spiraling into this mentality of, um, wow. Like I, well, immediately my mood just changed. I went from happy to just annoyed, frustrated, and then to feel that frustration and to feel myself suddenly not, enjoying myself it it just spiraled me into this place of like um frustration not only at the situation but frustration with myself and I just started thinking like I started thinking am I crazy like am I a psychopath I mean my mind just went to like these crazy places from in like in like seconds Mm -hmm. and I remember I I was with a friend and I just I started freaking out and I just told him how I was feeling and it, it that wasn't that was just yeah the whole conversation it was just put me in a crazy place anyways i in this moment where i started to feel so alone um and i really just started to question myself and i started to question if i would ever truly find happiness or you know be happy and just find peace in my life i mean that's where i was at i was on my way actually to um, a private lesson. I teach Muay Thai and I will teach privates to um, clients. And I, I had this client that I was on my way to. So I just had this breakdown and now I'm on my way to go teach a client. And so I'm trying to pull myself together, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I had like tears, puffy face, everything. And I, I get to the gym and I approach my client and I just kind of let them know that I'm, I'm in a bad place. Um, And it was so funny because as my client opened up to me, it turns out that they were also in a bad place. Mm. And as we started sharing um, our perspective and where we were coming from, we both realized that we were struggling with the same thing. We were both struggling with um, some like triggers and like past traumas and just trying to deal with it. And we were, we were struggling with some of the same insecurities and that feeling of, 
um, loneliness and, and questioning if we're going to have to deal with this forever. We both felt the same way. And we both just cried. We both just cried together. <laughs> and Muay Thai turns therapy yeah. crying session. <laughs> yeah. So we were, I, said we, I essentially went there to hold pads to this person to let them, you know, hit me and, you know, we, you know, beautiful violence. But it turned into this moment where we were able to be extremely vulnerable with one another and, and not even have to talk anymore about what was bothering us but really just mourn with each other Mm. share one another's burdens that was such a beautiful moment and testament to me of of god's love and of how miracles can work in our lives that was a moment where i did not feel happiness i tell you i felt no ounce of joy um in within my body that at that moment i felt a lot of pain I felt a lot of sadness, but to be able to share that, to share that pain, that burden with another, to yeah. cry together in like the most perfect moment when I felt so alone, that was miraculous. That's and awesome. Healing to my heart. It, it, it truly, I was able to walk away from that hour um, feeling more full, actually. I walked into it broken and I walked away feeling more full. I knew obviously I still had like pains that I had to sort through, um, you know, and, and make peace with and process. But to know that I was not alone actually gave me the clarity that I needed that, you know what, wait a minute, I feel psycho right now, but I'm going to get through this and I'm not the only one that feels this way. It, it brought me back to, it brought me back. It grounded me again. And that was a miracle. That's good. That's super good. You mentioned a couple things there. So you were struggling, you were having a good day, and then you started struggling. And you said that you shared with your friend that you were with that you started struggling. And then Uh you also shared with your client, like upon seeing them, like, look, I'm struggling today, I'm having a hard time, whatever. How do you find I don't think that that's common. So how do you find (laughs) the act of sharing? I mean, I think most of us just bottle it up and try and, you know, white knuckle it and, and grit our teeth through it, which is not good at all. Um, Yeah. But how do you find the courage to to share what you're feeling? Oh man, you know, I is don't that know. just naturally you? No, I that has been uh, something I've been working on a lot. The more awareness I gained about myself, my feelings, how my feelings present themselves, and when they're trying to take over, the more courage or empowered I have felt to communicate that to other people so that they understand um, how to deal with me or they understand like what I need or they know not to take my behavior personally. Um, So that's been very important for me to bring, as I gain awareness with myself, to bring awareness to other people and educate them about who I am and how to just essentially be a friend to me. Yeah. I I don't know how that, that has been empowering to me. Awareness has empowered me to educate people, just to educate myself and then educate my friends about how we can strengthen our relationship and strengthen our friendship. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, no, it's not easy. It's extremely scary. And in that moment, actually, when I was with my friend, this is a really good friend of mine. I mean, we've already, um, they already knew that I was like struggling. And so, and we've like established like within our relationship, like to communicate and to let one another know like what our needs are, Yeah. um, like through our struggles. And so in that moment, 
it, it was important for me to let this person know like how I was feeling just so that my behavior wouldn't hurt them or affect them or that um, their insecurities wouldn't like if they had insecurities that it like my behavior wouldn't continue to feed their insecurities mm, if yeah. that makes sense yeah totally what so you're sitting there with your friend you guys are having a good time <laughs> what did you say can you tell us what you said how did you just like bring it up like you guys are having fun everyone's <laughs> laughing and then you're like hey i'm depressed <laughs> honestly it was one of those moments we like had left we had left because i had to go back to work and we're sitting in the car and it's kind of silent because my mood had already dropped so i think like it, he's a male like he'd already known yeah and and then i just said like i literally just out of the note out of the blue i was like hey I got to tell you how I feel right now. I'm like, I'm having a really crappy time right now. <laughs> and then it just, it just like came out. I'm like, I just said, this is how I feel. This bothered me. I don't even know if this is valid, but this is what's going through my head right now. And I just need to say it out loud. And then I just started crying. <laughs> <laughs> and... <laughs> So no, it didn't. That was not a pretty conversation. I'm not gonna pretend like I'm really good at being able to express how I feel, and it comes out so like beautifully. I like to think I'm like good at expressing myself, but that was a real uh, moment. I'm just picturing this male in the car having this awesome time, and then all of a sudden you just start crying hysterically, and he's like, "What is going on? Yes. Females are crazy." Yes. No. <laughs> I'm like, and I'm like, and I ask him, I'm like, give me your honest opinion. Do you think I'm crazy? And he says, <laughs> no. He says, no. He says, I think all women are crazy. <laughs> yeah, and you just confirmed it. <laughs> yeah. So that, like, if you're a man out there, don't ever tell that to a woman who, like, opens herself up and she's feeling crazy. Don't ever. <laughs> but. But at the same time, it made me laugh. He's like, he didn't single me out. He's like, no, I don't think you're crazy. He's like, I think all women are crazy. <laughs> I mean, we are all, we are biologically like designed differently. Yes, 100%. <laughs> no, I think but, that, I mean, in all seriousness, being able to communicate what's going on inside of you and just the simple act of verbalizing kind of the the dark things that are going on inside of you is so therapeutic and helpful and it's yeah. not even like you need someone to give you some profound advice that's going to absolutely transform your mentality and transform your day into being happy it's just the simple act of verbalizing it and getting it out of your body is is it's underrated and and people yeah. especially males do not do that enough and um yeah i've i've found so much power in that when i share things that i don't want to share when i muster up the courage to share like my darkest feelings or whatever it's it's so therapeutic because yeah. everyone is very similar in struggles and and yep. your act of sharing not only helps you, but it also helps other people. And then it leads into deep conversations where yes. relationships are built. And just like you did with your client, it's like, it's so therapeutic. And if you bottle that stuff up in, inside of you and you don't express it, it's it's poison. And I say that a lot. I think I've said it in my blog. I think I've said it on this podcast numerous times. But if you bottle that stuff up inside of you, it is poison. 
and yeah. you need to get that poison out or it's it's going to deteriorate you and you don't and yeah. it can be like a random person on the street that you tell it to it can be your therapist it can be your dog but just verbalizing what you are experiencing is super helpful yes yes it has truly been healing to my soul it has strengthened my relationships and built trust in my relationships in very very profound ways vulnerability is not easy it is not Mm -hmm. easy to expose that mess the mess inside of you to other people because it always leaves you like after I had that conversation, that person that I had opened up to was a very good friend of mine. One of my like best friends, I would say. And so he's seen like a lot of like ugly sides to me, but it's never easy. Right. Cause mm-hmm. sometimes you, you question your mind. It's like, did I show them too much this time? You know? Yeah. And, and then it's like, Oh gosh, you know, maybe I am just a crazy person that that narrative that starts taking your um, taking place inside your head. I'm not sure if that narrative, those insecurities ever fully go away. I've just gotten better at being able to recognize it when it's coming forward. And yes. to be able to just like put it out of my head. But it always comes up after the after that beautiful moment of vulnerability. Usually I always have to, to go to battle with some type of crazy voice that comes up you know telling me that oh you shouldn't have done it or you've gone too far this time or like you're weak or oh you're stupid or you're so emotional why can't you just get it together um that battle is always there that's that's the fight that that i i think that all of us um we face on a daily basis when when we are trying to be vulnerable it's not easy it's it's scary totally totally but at the same time that vulnerability is attractive and people appreciate it so much because they recognize the courage within it and they recognize the authentic uh the authenticity that's coming through and and people appreciate it and they're attracted to it that's why like in social media in podcasting and stuff like that the people who are the most transparent and the most vulnerable um those are the people who gain the biggest followings and that people appreciate the most and want to listen to people don't just want to see, you know, unicorns and rainbows or butterflies and rainbows (laughs) or whatever they say at all times. They want to see the real you. And like, that's something that I've thought a lot about with, with my podcast. And as it progresses, it's like, it's hard for me to be vulnerable. I want to be vulnerable. I want to share like my innermost secrets and darkest, you know, corners of my life. It's hard for me to do. And I'm, I'm planning yeah. on doing it more and more, but I know that that type of content and those types of conversations are what people feed off of and what people, yeah. you know, are attracted to the most because it's right. people being real people. People want people to be real. Yeah. Yeah. So you got super vulnerable with your book. You released a book recently. And so can you kind of walk us through like how your book came about? Yeah. So um, honestly, my book is a compilation of journal entries. They are my, all those things that we write in our diaries, in our journals, and then we hide under the bed and hope that nobody will ever see is essentially what I compiled together and released for people to read. Um, I okay, so before about, we go into that, yeah. let's. I want to go into journaling real quick and just kind of get a glimpse into what your journal life um, looks like. So prior to releasing the book, you've been journaling quite a bit. What, when did you or do you typically journal? Is it a morning thing? Is it a night thing? 
Oh, you know, it's, I am one of those people, it, it wasn't like a, re, I don't have a set time that I journal. It's one of those things that has just become a safe place for me to go when I am in a bad headspace mm. or when my mind is full in moments of anxiety, when I'm feeling depressed, when I just, yeah, when I can feel that my mind is so full, journaling just became a release for me, but it also became a sacred place for me to connect with God. Interesting. Mm. Um, it, it was the it was the one place that I I guess I it's the one place I can turn to where I feel where I am the most real with myself yeah and I guess that's why it also became so sacred for me to come for God in that space that's where I felt most connected because I was always being the most real mm. um, about the thoughts that are in me whether they're positive or negative I could essentially put them on paper and actually see myself right. Yeah, I think sometimes the hardest thing people have shared this with me about journaling is that they feel they feel inspired to do it, but it's scary because then they feel like if they actually write it down, it becomes truth. Mm. They're seeing a side of themselves that they're not sure they want to face because now it's written on paper. It's written, um, and and it gives you something to have to really reflect on, and it it becomes a little bit more concrete, and so, um. I don't have a set time that I do it. It's become like I just when I feel it, I when I move to write, I write. Even if I just have like a little like scratch paper or even in my phone, I just I anything. I'll take anything. Give me anything. I'll write down my thoughts on it. That's good. Do you try and like answer any specific questions when you're when you're journaling or start with with any specific thoughts or is it just like start writing? For me, it's just start writing. Um, I've noticed, I didn't know that I was this way. Um, I've always just, I mean, I am who I am. But I see life kind of like a story. And maybe that's the thing that God implanted within me as far as perspective goes. I've always just, I I go through life, I meet a person, and it it all, the day already unfolds to me like a story. Um and little lessons that I learned here and there, or I can take an experience and then expand on it and it becomes some kind of analogy or um, like some kind of lesson that that I can apply to something bigger. So I've always, that's kind of how I, I write. Mm-hmm. I'll just take, I'll just take those experiences and I like to record them. Um, or I just, Honestly, it's just flow. Whatever yeah. just comes into my mind and heart, I put on that paper without any judgment. I don't hold back. Mm-hmm. That's been very important for me to just flow, to not try to make sense of it as I'm writing. Um, it's only when I go back and I read that I um, that I try to make sense of things, or I can begin to discern. Hey, that that's not that's a thinking error right there. Yeah, that's not healthy. <laughs> mm. Do you do you always use pen and paper, or do you use like Evernote or a Google Doc or anything like that? My favorite form of journaling is pen and paper. Mm-hmm. I'm old school. There's yeah. just something about a pen in my hand touching that paper. There's like a physical sensation. I think also there is some for me. There's an actual release mm-hmm. in pen and paper, and and then also being able to just fill a book with my thoughts yeah I, that's so powerful to see an empty notebook and to, to see it become filled with my thoughts and my experiences and really for me um i wrote this in my book i i said 
or in my journal, it's when I let my hand run free, I feel like God is speaking back to me. There are moments, mm. especially when I start journaling. I, I do love to journal. Before I start journaling, I do love to start it with a prayer. Just that I can, so that I can be honest, so that I can find clarity in whatever I put down on, on paper. And I, I always find, um, or there are moments where I, I look back on what I've just written, and I, I feel like that is not my voice. Yeah. I can feel that it's, it's a higher power working through me, almost to give me advice. Um, sometimes like things come out of my mouth, and I'm like, well, dang, that's good. Like, where did that come from? And I have to say, I'm gonna write a book. Not, yeah and I had to say like it's not me like that's revelation that Mm. is like a a higher power working through me to just be there for me and to encourage me along so I take no credit for the like the wise things that come out of my mouth or all the good things that I find in in my like in my journal I give that to God because I, I feel like that's this has just been one of the languages that we speak together yep yep um that prayer that you that you do before journaling um i'm asking this because i used to and sometimes still do i write my prayers out not all the time but i still pray like throughout the day like verbally or in my head or whatnot but i also write my prayers out before you start journaling are you just saying prayers in your head or are you writing them in your journal um i just i say i say my prayers out loud i just i speak um and so, no, I don't write my prayers in my journal, mm-hmm. but I think that's actually a beautiful practice. And sometimes I feel like when I do read what I wrote, they do seem like prayers. Yeah. You know, they're, de- they're the desires of my heart. Um, sometimes when I write before I journal, though, I do have like little questions that are in my heart um, that I will write down and then I'll free flow. And then sometimes I will end up finding the answers to my own questions in mm-hmm. my journal writing. So... How long is a typical journal entry for you? Is it a page? Are we talking a paragraph? Are we talking two pages, or does it vary? Uh, it just varies. Mm. Gotcha. I have no limits. I have no expectations um, for journaling. I just go with it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you. Oh, last question: How? When did you start journaling? How long have you been journaling? Oh man, I think that I would say I started consistently journaling while I was. Uh, serving a mission for my church at the time. So it was, um, I was on a, I served an 18 month mission. And in that time, I mean, you have a pretty set schedule. Like our whole entire day is dedicated to like going out and like preaching the word of God. Mm. And so, um, we had, we'd also have like set times to, uh, like journal and reflect and like your scriptures and whatnot. So that instilled, I mean, for 18 months, I was, building a habit Mm. um and i continue to just carry that with me got you ever since then so it's been i would say like seven years now that i have like consistently been journaling awesome how did that then translate into you thinking like i'm gonna release this book can you walk us through like going from just practicing journaling to publishing a book of your journal entries sure so um you know, there's if there's one thing I have always felt weirdly, I always felt like I would write a book one day. I just thought it was going to be when I'm 50, like <laughs> older, wiser, you know, more experiences under my belt. But um, I 
after I got back from Thailand, so, I mean, I've been on this healing journey. After I got back from my mission, I, I got to a place where I, I really just felt like I, um, a place where I just really need to, to explore myself more and to, um, and to give myself time to heal from things, um, past relationships and, and just things that I didn't even know had affected me so much until that time. Uh, so I, I just took this journey of self-discovery and in the process I was journaling through all of it. And, um, part of that journey led me to Thailand. And once I got back from Thailand, I found myself in Utah. My, um, family had just moved to uh, like a little city or a, a little cabin um, in the mountains in Utah. <laughs> and I um, felt really like inspired to go be with them and to stay with them. I didn't think that it was going to be for a long time. I just planned to go visit them. But um, I, I tried looking for jobs. Nothing was working out. And then I just had this really strong like revelation, like personal revelation that it was time for me to write my book. Um, that's what this time was being given to me for. And so I thought, okay, um, I've never <laughs> written a book before. Um, so I like, I got in front of a computer and I just started rewriting, right? I'm like, well, let me just start from <laughs> this experience. Um, and it was, I, I mean, I probably spent six hours in front of the computer. I got maybe a page and a half in. And then I started thinking, I'm going to end up living with my parents forever <laughs> in this cabin in the mountains. Like, I'm never going to make it out of here. And so I, I started praying. And then I had the thought come to me, look at your journals. And so I started reading through my journals and I mean, I think I had moments where I was like crying because I'm like reliving these experiences and, and just thinking, wow. And I, as I started like reading through my journals more and more, I realized everything was there and everything was so real mm -hmm. and everything was honest. And I, I started comparing what I had written in my journals to what I had tried to recreate on my computer in those six hours. And I realized that I was holding back. And that's why it wasn't working out. That's why it wasn't flowing. That's why I wasn't feeling inspired mm. um, in those six hours that I was trying to recreate something because I was only trying to recreate like the good. Yeah. Um, and my journals told it all. It was me. And the beauty of it was that it told it in real time too. Yeah. And yeah. so you could see these little revelations, these little insecurities, these little doubts come forth on one day. Or you could see me acting on just a little tiny inspiration and then seeing how that little inspiration manifested into something greater days later. Yeah. Um, and that's the beauty of the book is that it's just real. It's me living life one day at a time, um, being directed by God. And most of the time, not even knowing it, not until I got to look back and see the big picture. And that's also the beauty of it. That's so cool. I think there's there's definitely like a metaphor there or something there with the whole like sitting down and trying to write a book and like trying <laughs> to put together something that's like perfect or that people would consider like a good book as opposed yep. to just like being and just doing you yep. and just like taking like, I mean, it all goes back to what we were talking about earlier, like just being authentic and vulnerable and just like 
being your true self as opposed to Mm -hmm. like your idea of what an author is. Yes. Yeah. I love that you say that because I look at myself and I'm thinking, I am not an author. I am not a writer. You know, we have this idea. I couldn't think of like JK Rowling, right? She wrote Harry Potter. She's an author. Mm -hmm. Who am I? You know? Yeah. Um, and I've had to, this whole process of, of writing a book um, has helped me to more fully just embrace myself and, and help myself understand that I define what it means for me to be an author. I can't be somebody else. I can't try to recreate um, somebody else's um, book or yeah. how they write, their their style. I just have to do what speaks to me. and and own who I am as, I guess, an artist, right? Yeah, yeah, amen. How did you, so I'm sure you didn't compile all of your journal entries or that book would probably be, you know, 10,000 pages. (laughs) So how did you go about kind of discerning which ones to include and which ones not to? Um, Some of the stuff was just repetitive. Some of it was just me just really, like, literally flowing. And so it, people didn't need to read all of that yeah. junk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, got you. Um, I mean, and so I, I, as far as like editing goes, I just had to take out the repetitive stuff and maybe just like shorten it. Mm. Um, but other than that, that's pretty much yeah. all that I did as far as editing goes. Did just you just cutting type... out the fluff. Yeah, yeah. Did you just type everything into like a Google Doc or something? Yeah, I just went on um, my computer, like Word, a doc, like Word, mm-hmm. and then just retyped it all out. So that was also this whole process. I don't know if this book will ever help as many people as much as it helped me. The whole process of going through one journal entry at a time and rewriting it and reliving certain experiences, certain feelings, um, that was extremely powerful at times, painful, um, it put me back in therapy. I'm not going to lie. I mm-hmm. had to go see a therapist to, <laughs> <laughs> while I was writing this book. But that was also so wonderful. And it completely, um, it, it, I, I found so much growth in yeah. that, in that journey. I'm sure. I'm sure that's, that's awesome. And it kind of, yeah, it shows how you've grown as well. I'm sure going to back, going back and reliving those and reading it like, wow, three years ago, this is what I was struggling with, but I'm totally like, I've, I've kind of overcome that and I have this new struggle here. So, I mean, that's, I've, I've done the same. I've gone back through some of my journals and kind of read things that I've, um, written, you know, a couple years ago. And it's like, oh, praise God that I'm not like in that mindset anymore. I, <laughs> I still have like these current crazy mindsets, but I'm still progressing at least. Yeah. 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 What was, um, this is out of my own um, selfish curiosity here. What was kind yeah. of like the the cliff note version of getting your book published? Who did you reach out to? Was it hard? Did you have to land a publisher? Like, kind of walk me through that. Oh man, you know I I this this whole the process of writing a book into getting it published was I've I've used the word journey a lot, yeah. but it really was. A journey for me of like walking through the wilderness. Um, I had no idea what I was doing, just blind faith. Um, and so 
I self-published is what I had decided to do. Mm-hmm. But the the beauty, the miracle of it all um, is that every time I like reached a new stage in the book, whether it was reaching a new level of vulnerability within myself, people would come into my life to help me navigate through that. So of course it was me just a therapist, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, being able to get to a place where I'm ready to publish. And then, um, it happened to be that I, one of my very best friends got married. And when I went to her wedding, I connected with somebody who was into um, marketing and specifically marketing through media. And so this person, this individual um, connected me to other individuals who has self-published books before and was able to direct me through that. Um, ultimately, like self-publishing I think made things a lot easier for me because I was in total control of everything. Mm-hmm. I did the editing. So I don't know if that made it easier for me or harder, but I was in control. Yeah. Um, and so I, I did all the editing. And then when I was ready, I just had to decide the um, like who I wanted to publish through, like as far as like self-publishing um, companies go, like all go. Um, and I just chose Amazon mm. and, um, as like my um, outlet. And then from there, they kind of help, they kind of direct you through that process too. Got you in there in charge of printing and stuff like that. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Once you submit your stuff through them, then like the printing and everything is out of your hands and it will just go to the people that order it. It's pretty easy. That's cool. Right on. Yeah. Um, So backtracking a little bit, you mentioned Thailand and I want to kind of dive into that experience a little bit. First off, what, what motivated you to go to Thailand? Oh man. Okay. Um, so I'm going to backtrack just a little bit more, please. I, after I got back from my mission, I was in this place where I was lost. I had realized I had been living life for others. Um, and I came to this realization that I didn't even know who I was. Um, and at the time, one of the goals that I had was to go to grad school. I had, you know, I think growing up, we all have this life plan and this timeline um, that we, you know, I think it gives us all a sense of security and it helps us, you know, yeah, a safety net. Yeah. So my plan, my, my plan was I graduated from college. I had a bachelor's in psychology and I wanted to go to, I was going to go to grad school and become a therapist and that's how I was going to help people. And that's my life <laughs> um, <laughs> in a nutshell. Uh, once I got back from my mission and I realized I didn't know who I was, I was in the process of applying to grad school. A friend had posed the question, have you prayed about this? I realized that not once had I ever prayed to know if grad school was the direction that God like wanted to take, if that was part of the plan for me. And when I had prayed about it, I had had this strong feeling inside of my heart that I was not supposed to apply to grad school, that Mm. I was supposed to just stop. And that was so scary for me because it made me question if, if I don't go to grad school and if I don't become a therapist, like who am I? I always believed that I would be able to help people. How will I be able to help people? I just had no idea. Um, But again, that was so strong. And so that was, I think the first step that I took of being able to give my life over to God, to put my trust in him and to let him take the wheel, um, to give up my, I guess, to give up control essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I did that, that's when this, it opened up this 
huge like door inside of me of and like space and I guess my focus shifted from looking outward and suddenly I was seeing myself and I was seeing that I was this broken human being who had a lot of things that (laughs) she needed to work through (laughs) it's like it's like being in a car accident and then you like walk away from the car accident and you're like because you walk away you think you're fine and suddenly like miles down the road you see you're like bleeding out and like you're not in good condition (laughs) and and that's really I feel like what had happened to me is I had just survived through a lot of years of like multiple car accidents whatever (laughs) and it just like finally built up and I feel like God just put a a, put like a stop to it and he's like let's just get you to a hospital Mm. (laughs) (laughs) and and that's really the journey that I took was just going to the hospital and I feel like I've just had reconstructive surgery performed on me um and and so uh what's interesting part of that I was working at a psych hospital at the time um so I just continued to work there and then at that time I also felt really strongly um, that I wanted to start boxing the um, it just it one of the things that I felt inspired to do was to do the thing that I always wanted to do but was but feared and that was boxing ever since I was young I always just felt really drawn to that to martial arts but I never said anything about it never did anything because I just I don't know I I judged myself I I thought oh girls don't do that mm. so I never did it um so I found a boxing gym, and then a year later, um, the owner of my gym was going to go to Thailand, and he brought it up to me. He was going to go to a training camp out there, and we were just having casual conversation. He brought up that he was going to go out there, that um, a few other people from the gym were going to go, a few other trainers, and he asked if I wanted to go, and that was the first time um, that I had felt like I had the freedom to actually take a risk like that. Um, something just clicked inside of me and I realized if I had gone to grad school, then no, I wouldn't be able to take advantage of this opportunity. But yeah. because I had followed that inspiration and let that go, the path was open. The, the path was clear for me to just go. So I was there. I had planned to be there for six weeks, um, but about but when I was in Thailand, I had this really strong feeling come over me again that I needed more time and that it was where I needed to be. And so once I had that confirmation, um, at that point, I told I quit my job. I told my family I was moving to Thailand. And then I told my landlord I was moving out. And I took the necessary steps I needed to to <laughs> make that happen. And then I moved to Thailand. That's so <laughs> How long were you there? Um, a total of... Uh, like eight months within the year. Yeah. I had no idea how long I would be there. I just went there knowing it was where I needed to be. I had no idea how things would work out, but I really, I had this really um, powerful experience in it. And the, I just felt like I had been given this promise from God um, that if I came to Thailand, that he would take care of the rest. And he fulfilled that promise to me. I mean, it (laughs) I had some scary moments where I was like, is this all going to work out? But <laughs> it all worked out. And um, I think that when it was time for me to leave, I knew it was time. Yeah. And so, yeah. It seems like you're you're super in touch with that, like, that divine intuition um, yeah. inside of you and being able to, like, follow that and kind of close doors and walk through open doors. How yeah. how did you kind of cultivate that ability to do that or... or kind of walk us through that process 
Um, you know, I think it just comes with one experience at a time. Mm. I think the more I take those, the more like every little step I take forward gives me greater courage to take the next, to take the next step. Yeah. Um, God is wise, right? Mm-hmm. I, I sometimes think that I try to move much faster and I can walk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, right. How does that saying go? <laughs> I always get it confused. I always just try to push the pace, yeah. um, more than I'm ready for. Uh, but I find that one experience, like every experience that I've had has always prepared me for the next, for the next challenge. It strengthened me and my ability um, strengthen me physically, mentally, emotionally for the next. And so it just, I guess all you got to do is walk through that one door. And then if you have a desire truly for me, I, I think a while ago I realized that I had come far enough on this journey with God that if I stopped, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I would be lost. I'd be lost without him. Yeah. And so for me now, it's just, keep going and i i've gained greater um a a more heightened ability and sense to be able to recognize the call and to be able to recognize um the steps and the doors when they're opening yeah and so i'm I'm just getting better it's like just like i said with the miracle jar developing an eye of faith it just takes practice um, lots of experiences yeah is there like a certain filter that you kind of run thoughts through because like if you have a if you have like a thought come into your head, like I should do this or I shouldn't do that. What, what characteristic of those thoughts allows you to determine if it's from God or not? Like if it's, yeah. Yeah. Can you speak to that? Yeah. So, um, I, this is my book is great for this because Mm -hmm. it literally unfolds that thought process (laughs) of just, Hey, I think I should do this, but I'm not sure I have my doubts. Honestly, I've come to a place where if I can't initially just be like, okay, this is obviously not of God, because mm-hmm. some things are just pretty obvious, right? If I get to that place where I'm just not sure, sometimes it can be a matter of timing, right? So you mm-hmm. feel this impression to do something. Sometimes yeah. the impression is correct. It's just a matter of timing. Um, and so the only way that I've been able to figure that out sometimes is by continuing to move forward anyways, and God stops me. Or I move forward and then the timing's off. Mm. Another opportunity presents itself. I, I stick with that and then and then I keep, you mm. know, when the door opens, I, I see it. Yeah, because I've good. already, my mind and my heart have already been prepared for it. And so then when the door opens, I, I mean, it, it usually opportunities find me. I don't have to go searching for them anymore. Yeah. Is what I've, I've learned through my experiences. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. What else besides Muay Thai were um, impactful to you in in Thailand? Yeah, good question. So I've always viewed Muay Thai as just a microcosm of like real life. So Muay Thai is an art, right? But Mm -hmm. really what it did was it opened me up to a world of community. Um, uh, a way for me just to see myself, um, my strengths, my weaknesses. And it also um, opened me up to, interestingly enough, I never expected this, it opened me up to um, meditation mm. while I was in Thailand. I found this a trainer 
who was um, who really embraced his um, faith in, in Buddhism, mm-hmm. and he he did such a beautiful job of being able to share that with me and to bring that into our practice um, of training like Muay Thai. Um, and then also in the process, really just taking me around and exposing me to um, like different like meditation practices and whatnot. Mm. So what were some yeah. of the key takeaways from his teachings? Because I mean, people hear Buddhism and they hear meditation and stuff and they kind of shy away from it and attach these, yeah. these stigmas and stereotypes to it. But there, there's a lot of similarities between um, Buddhism and Hinduism and Christianity and all these things, especially oh, yeah. when it comes to finding the divine in the present moment, living in the present moment, um, you know, not being anxious and not worrying and um, just kind of embracing who you are and stuff like that. So what are kind of the big takeaways that you got and still practice from that guy? Oh, man, um, I would say the biggest thing is just breathing, being mm. able to breathe I um one of like the greatest lessons that I learned was that um breathing is like the breath is what gives us life right so Mm -hmm. it is a literal power if you can manage your breath then you can manage your life Mm -hmm. and I and if you can really reflect on that then you can see the the power and depth of that statement yeah um uh, something that my trainer always told me was he would say, see yourself. He would always say like that meditation would open me and open like my eye to be able to see myself. Mm. And he constantly said it to me. And it, to be honest, it, it kind of annoyed crap out of me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hated it. <laughs> He's like, see yourself, see yourself. And I was like, what do you want me to see? Yeah. And it actually just clicked for me. I'm not even kidding you. It clicked for me a couple days ago. <laughs> when he finally met it. Um, because as I've incorporated meditation into my life and it's common I practice it in many different forms it's not just me like sitting on my bum in the morning like humming mm-hmm. it, that's definitely not my practice um I finally get it now it it allows us to be still enough to sit with ourselves so that we can see ourselves we can see um who we are as for me who I am as a child of God and then also I can see when my ego is trying to take over mm. and take control, take the driver's seat of my life. Yeah. Um, so now I get it. And it's, that's such a powerful statement too. When he would tell me that I, I get it now what he was saying. He's like, you need to see yourself. And I didn't realize how blind I was to myself. Yeah. I was so blind to, to everything about, to a lot of things about myself. That's so good. That's so good. There's a lot there that I want to dive into. So managing your breath, what does managing your breath look like? Uh, You know, the best way that I can explain it, I'm going to use Muay Thai as an example, or just training in general. Mm -hmm. I think what I find, I work with a lot of beginners, is they come in and they're so excited and they have all this pent up energy and, you know, I'll hold pads for them. And they just start going crazy. <laughs> There's absolutely no control. And they just start they start feeling like they just want to start hitting everything. Like technique goes <laughs> out the door. They, they're, suddenly they're some kind of hero. And then they're so tired. Like a minute goes by. 
and then they're so tired and they haven't breathed for that whole minute. Mm. They just, they've held their breath. So they have all this pent up energy inside. They're releasing energy by hitting pads, but not once are they breathing. And so it's, it has this reverse effect as much as all that they're doing is releasing energy. And then that's it. They, they're, they're not releasing power, which is interesting. The more we breathe, the more power, um, we actually create in the impact of our hits. Really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I just feel like, Oftentimes, anxiety also, when we're really anxious, is usually if you were to like physically pay attention to your body, yeah. we're, whole, we're like, we're super tense, we're not breathing. Yeah. Um, breathing creates like release and relaxation in our bodies and in our muscles. And oftentimes, when we're like, yeah, when we're anxious, when we're tense, it's because we're not breathing. Yeah. So. I've, I love like breath work and focusing on the breath, and I've like totally been nerding out if, anyone's been following my Instagram or podcast or anything, they totally know this, but a couple things like that I've seen in my life. One is that when I'm running, um, I run this trail by my house and I, I ran it this morning and I've found that I don't like listening to music. I've put on my AirPods a couple of times and gone out there and listened to some music and try and generate, you know, some, some motivation and some fuel with whatever music I'm listening to. And, um, I found that it makes when I have music, it makes it more difficult. It's more distracting and it's not as therapeutic when I'm running. And I think the difficulty um, aspect of that is because when I don't have music, I focus a lot on my breath. And like you said, it's, Mm. it's a fuel source and it's a power source. So when I'm focusing on my breath, I focus on breathing in that oxygen, which is the fuel for every single cell in your body. And, you know, I visualize that oxygen entering my lungs and saturating every cell of my body from my feet into my hands to my head and that visualization and that focus brings me into flow and I forget that I'm running and all of a sudden I'm like when I'm when I'm listening to music the the first half of that trail sucks and like the whole time I'm like this sucks Mm. this really sucks this really sucks. I'm out of breath. This really sucks. But when I don't have the music and I'm able to kind of focus on my breath and the pattern that, and the rhythm that my breath makes with my feet hitting the ground, I get into this meditative flow state where it's like, Oh, I'm, I'm already halfway through. It feels like I just started. Um, and that is super, super powerful. I love it. And, and so I'm all about that. And then yesterday, um, just to kind of speak to what you were talking about with like anxiety and like being in situations where you know you get anxious or excited yesterday I was um at my in-laws house and my sister-in-law Lauren shout out Lauren um I was talking with her and we started talking about the Enneagram which is like this personality assessment test which I did a podcast on but um and she hadn't heard about it and like I started getting like um like super excited kind of subconsciously like talking to her about it and like yeah um like we got out like the laptop and we got out like um got to the Enneagram website she was like doing the test and I was talking about the different numbers and like stuff like that and I found myself like um as I stepped away to like get a drink or something like my body temperature was like super elevated like my heart was like beating and I was like low-key out of breath and like I was like feeling like anxious and I was like, whoa, like 
what is going on here? And it's be- and then I attributed it to like I just like stopped breathing. I just like went yeah. head first into this like conversation and like I wasn't relaxed. And like that's okay to be excited about things, but yeah. it like it transformed my physiology and made me feel anxious and like self-conscious and like so I like just went outside and I did like some some um some breath work that I learned from again another podcast with this dude PJ Nessler where it's um it's parasympathetic it activates the parasympathetic uh system and it's like four seconds of inhale and then eight seconds of exhale because it's been shown scientifically that when you in your exhale, your um, heart rate actually decreases. So um, I went outside and did that and just kind of focused on my breath, brought me back down. And I'm like, how weird is and then I kind of attributed that to like, when I have anxiety in like meetings or like speaking things or anything like that. And I'm like, it all comes back to breathing and just like how I'm breathing and of course my heart rate and my body temperature and my feelings of anxiety are going to go through the roof if I'm not fueling my body with what it needs my body's tripping out like dude like you're suffocating us like come on you know so it all comes back to breathing it's it's so powerful yeah I mean if you if you really think about it I and I I mean I it the day we stop breathing is the day we die Mm mm-hmm yep so there is a true power source. That is a power source. I, 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 when I really let that truth sink in, it, I feel like something inside me changed, and I, and I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. I still have much to understand about breath work and and um, mastering my own breath, like breath. Mm-hmm. But there's, ah, uh, yeah. I amen everything you just said. There's so, so much there. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. I I highly encourage people to just start paying attention to their breath and how they're breathing and, um, you know, breathing into your belly and yeah, uh, every morning the, and I'm so addicted to it. The first thing I do every morning is I drink a giant glass of water and then I practice some Wim Hof breathing and it basically you you're basically hyperventilating and hyper oxygenating your body but it's just like a great way to change your physiology when you wake up going mm-hmm. from like groggy and sleepy to kind of just like this um, energized and euphoric feeling and then you hit it with a little coffee a little run a little cold shower <laughs> and you're feeling like yeah. Superman. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So meditation, I want to go a little bit into meditation um, because you did, you know, study it a little bit in Thailand. So, so what do you ever like just sit down and like have the intentions of I am going to sit here and meditate or is it kind of something you kind of work throughout your day or both? So when I first started, that was, um, that was where I was at. Meditation was just not any, like, it was nowhere a part of my, my day, my lifestyle, breathing. I think I, I didn't realize until looking back how anxious of a human being I was. Mm. <laughs> um, and how, how much of life I was just trying to survive through. Um, it, it wasn't until I met my trainer who became so much of more of a mentor and, and a guide for me. And to be honest, he would take me to these temples out there and we would just sit for literally 10 minutes. I, I mean, those were the worst 10 minutes of my life. Like they were hell. <laughs> I could not sit with myself and just 
and he would say, focus on your breath. And I'm like, dude, if you tell me to focus on my breath one more time, I'm going to scream. I'm going to punch you in the face. Like, I, I hate you. Like, get away from me. Yeah. Um, but I think even that in itself was so telling of, of where I was at. The fact that I could not sit with myself, what was I then storing inside of me? What pains, what, what problems or issues was I running from? Um, that I didn't want to, to face. Mm. And then, so then it goes back to, again, how you would always say, see yourself. Yeah. See. Um, and so at 10 minutes of just sitting still, I, I hated. Then I went to a two-week silent meditation retreat. Two weeks? Um, <laughs> yes, Dang. two weeks of silence. <laughs> so oh I was gosh. not talking. So yeah, if there was ever a way to like break myself in, if you notice a trend, I'm one of those people who like, I just, I just go for it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> zero to a hundred. Um, that, that was what started teaching me more about meditation. And it wasn't till I'll give an example of, of an experience that I had that finally helped me understand what the principle of meditation more than the practice. I, um, so we would, we would wake up at 4.30 in the morning to a bell. So we had no um, access to, like, media, not our phones, nothing. I mean, I was really living in just, like, a forest area with monks. And there were other people um, from different parts of the world that came out for this. But we weren't talking. So as much as we were in a community, we were inside of ourselves. This was an opportunity for us to look within ourselves and to um, – just breathe our way. We were practicing meditation even as we were eating. Um, so there are many different forms of meditation. Um, but one of the practices, we're in Thailand in a forest monastery. So you have to think about like environment. Yeah. So there were lots of mosquitoes. I'm in uh, 90 degree weather, super humid. Thailand's right underneath the equator. And on top of that, mosquitoes and <laughs> other little critters everywhere. And so you know, imagine trying to, in silence, um, and trying to find peace within yourself, have these mosquitoes attacking you all the time, buzzing in your ear, trying to suck your blood, <laughs> and then after that, you're, like, itching, and I just, all I could ever, it just, I think when, in the midst of all of that, I just, all I could focus on at times were the mosquitoes. I couldn't stand them. <laughs> and it was so hard for me to find peace within myself when I had this constant buzzing in my ear. Um, and so I remember it was the day before, like maybe two days before the retreat was over. I had thought that I was smart. I had had this like revelation and I thought, okay, I am going to have the best night of meditation um, that I've ever had. And I, I thought that I would do this by covering my whole body up. So I decided to wear long sleeves, like pants, and then I even took a scarf and I wrapped it around my head and my ears <laughs> so that no mosquitoes could buzz in my ear, no mosquitoes could bite me, like they could not penetrate this shield that I had created <laughs> for myself, right? And I thought that I was so smart. And so I get maybe about like a minute into my practice, we're supposed to be sitting there for an hour. 
So I get about a minute in and I am freaking sweating bullets <laughs> and I am feeling like hot and so anxious and just so claustrophobic inside of all my clothes. And I'm about to have like a freaking meltdown. Yeah. Like I am ready. I'm like screaming on the inside. And then even then I can still like feel, you know, <laughs> like, you know, there's like mosquitoes around. It was bad. And then I, it was like, I had this moment where I finally, like I saw myself. And I saw how ridiculous I look. I'm thinking, I'm here in a forest monastery, you know, in the middle of Thailand, in 90 degree weather, um, and I have let these mosquitoes completely run my life. Mm. I have allowed them to, like, take my peace. And it, I had to have this, like, I, you know, this narrative that went on in my head I realized I just had to have this conversation with myself and, and realize, you know what, Mina, like, this is where you're at. You have to accept that you are going to get bitten by mosquitoes. You have to accept that they are going to buzz in your ear and maybe they're going to annoy you. And that's okay. And the moment that I was able to finally let go and accept that truth that I was going to get bitten, that they were going to buzz in my ear, that I was, you know, gonna be uncomfortable that's when I finally found peace mm. I took off the scarf on my head you know like the I rolled up my sleeves and my pants and I just and also I was just trying to be in the perfect form the perfect meditative state like yeah. even sitting like completely straight back everything I was like what screw it my back hurts I just let go and I just focused on breathing mm -hmm. and that I feel like is the first time that I was able to find real flow mm. within myself. That's so cool. Is when I accepted my imperfections. <laughs> yeah, and the mosquitoes. <laughs> <laughs> and That's the mosquitoes. So cool. But it, isn't that such an analogy for life? Though? Oh my gosh. I mean, <laughs> it's yeah totally it's like come what may there's a saying it's three words come what may it's like what is yeah. is and like i can choose to shield myself and wrap my face up and like make myself go crazy and think about you know what i would rather have this reality be or okay. i can accept the reality and then change my perspective and have peace yes I tried to create what I thought peace should be, yeah. should look like. I tried to create the experience of peace mm -hmm. instead of accept peace. Exactly. And those are two very different things. And I think so many of us go through life, especially, you know, the way social media is, just the way the culture of the world is these mm -hmm. days. We are so into creating mm -hmm. experiences instead of um, letting go and just... And, and just flowing exactly. and really being present with life. It's it's like your book. It, you like tried to create a book and tried to be the book or, <laughs> yeah. and it wasn't working and you were going crazy. And then you just like went back to what is and what was real and what was you. And it came and it was perfect. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. That's so cool. Okay, we're running out of time. So I have some rapid yeah. fire questions for you. And the first one is, if you could tweet one thing, I'm not even sure if you're on Twitter, but just hypothetically, if you could tweet one thing that was guaranteed to be seen by the entire world, what would it say? It would say, there is nothing this world can give you that God hasn't already placed inside of you. Mm. 
I love that. I love that. I'll just let the listeners marinate on that one. Wonderful. Um, so I'm a high school teacher. As you know, I teach at both of our alma mater. Uh, shout out Dio. And I do my best to, to integrate real life scenarios and learnings into my curriculum. I teach a technology class um, and I try and really instill in them some some good life lessons. What do you think is something I should be communicating to the youth to help better prepare them for life? <laughs> um, I think just empowering the youth to communicate, to communicate and, and express their their feelings. Yes. I, I, we, I think we come from a culture of where we feel like expressing feelings is a sign of weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than educating people about what feelings are mm-hmm. and how they can um, teach us about ourselves and therefore educate others about how to treat us and how to be, you know, strengthen our relationships. So just empowering um, others to use their voice, to find their voice and to use it for good. That's so good. Good. I'm definitely going to be taking that uh, into the classroom. Okay, three books and why. What are three books from any genre you'd recommend to someone and why, other than your own book, of course? <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, the One of the books that comes to my mind was life-changing for me, especially when I started my journey, was a book by Brene Brown mm. called The Gift of Imperfection. Um, she's written other books since then, a lot more popular books, but that one was just a short one that gave me an introduction to the power of vulnerability and being able to, um, explore that within myself. Mm, She's awesome. Yes. I love her. Mm -hmm. Um, another book that I have been thinking about is, um, this one is called a return to love by Marianne Williamson. Um, this one is just about, I think we often talk about how love is the answer. I mean, that's such that's such a buzzword now mm-hmm. and people talk about it all the time. But I really love this book um, because it gives um, the word love a much deeper meaning and like context for it and how we can use that word to actually um, heal ourselves mm. um, and to um, connect with others. So I really like that book. Awesome. And the third book, I mean, uh, I honestly, I, I love the Bible. That yeah. uh, is a book that will never get old. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not you believe in God, it is just full of truth. Yeah. It is just, it's one of those things that you can pick up and read over and over and over again, and you will continually learn about life, and you will continually learn about yourself, and you will continually learn how to just love more deeply mm-hmm. and more fully. So. Totally. Totally, yeah. I I mean, there's the Bible is such a, a great book that is full of wisdom, apart from just, yes. like, religion, and, like, if yes. you strip away all, like, the the dogma or whatever behind the different religions or whatever the teachings and stuff like that it's just the church it if you just read the bible and and kind of pull out the life lessons they're so yeah. universal and so yeah. applicable and so life-giving that and, and people don't give it a chance because they just they associate all the stigma and stuff behind it but um yeah i'm right there with you mina thank you so much for doing this this i mean you're awesome and i i appreciate you more than you know and i'm sure the listeners love this thank you
thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right, guys. Later. A special thanks to King's Kaleidoscope for the instrumental used on the intro and outro of this podcast. Also, a big thanks to the good people at Capital Floats, which is Northern California's premier sensory deprivation and float tank facility. I am a frequent user there, and the experience is transformative to say the least. And for listeners of this podcast, they are offering an exclusive deal of 40% off the normal price for a single float. Just go to CapitalFloats.com and use the promo code Life Enchanted with no spaces at checkout. If you're in Northern California, you definitely want to take advantage of this. Please remember that I am not a doctor, so definitely consult your physician before making any sudden diet, supplement, or lifestyle changes suggested in any of these episodes. If you're interested in connecting with me, you can send an email to nick, N-I-C-K, at mylifeenchanted.com, or you can find me on Instagram at mylifeenchanted. Peace.